Welcome to the Humanity Matters Podcast, where we discuss philosophy, faith, leadership, nonprofits, and a host of social issues. We want to add value and understanding the dignity and freedom of human beings. For more information, visit the website philipfletcher.org. And now, the Humanity Matters Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Humanity Matters Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Philip Fletcher, and hope everybody is having a great week. It is uh, Wednesday, February 12th. I want to start off by giving a great shout out to my parents, Philip Lee and Georgette Fletcher, celebrating 48 years of marriage today. Now, that's that's goals right there. They're closing in on uh, 50 years of marriage, Lord willing. And I must say, I am uh, just in awe of them. They are great parents, very influential in my life and supporting everything that I do and my younger sister. Uh, They live in Louisville, Kentucky. And so I just want to give a shout out uh, to my parents, Philip Lee and Georgette Fletcher. I love you very much. Pray that the Lord will bless you uh, with decades to come as y'all demonstrate what it is to uh, be a man and woman who fight hard uh, for a marriage. And I've seen it personally growing up, and I'm very thankful for the example that you have given, not just in marriage, but just in work ethic and achieving your goals and everything. So appreciate y'all very much. Love y'all very much. And that Uh, takes us to uh, the thought of the day. And this is uh, coming from Miroslav Volf, uh, one of my favorite authors. I actually had a chance to meet him when he was here at Hendricks College. And uh, he signed my book, uh, Exclusion and Embrace, that he wrote. Uh, Exclusion and Embrace is the winner of the 2002 Louisville Grawmeyer Award in Religion. And this book has been very influential to me in just understanding how to reach across uh, the aisle, if you will, to go and understand different people's experiences, uh, find commonalities, obviously, since we're made in the image and likeness of God, but then also uh, be able to understand the differences that people have and why they believe what they believe and the ideologies they have and the choices that they make and uh, understand more uh, fully the human experience. And it is very diverse, I must say. Uh, But I am very thankful for uh, this book uh, that Dr. Volf wrote. And I just want to read, it's from the chapter concerning embrace. And we're going to talk about this more later, but I just want this thought just to set the stage for us. And he says this, the drama of embrace, the opening of the arms. And I quote, open arms are a gesture of the body reaching for the other. They are a sign of discontent with my own self-enclosed identity, a code of desire for the other. I do not want to be myself only, I want the other to be part of who I am, and I want to be part of the other. 
a herald of non-self-sufficiency and non-self-enclosure, open arms suggest the pain of others' absence and the joy of the other's anticipated presence. Both the pain of absence and the joy of anticipated presence underscore the fact that even before the self opens its arms, the other is in a sense already part of it. Close quote. That is awesome. Embrace starts with the opening of the arms. And there's this anticipation of joy. But there's also this pain of absence. There's this recognition uh, that there is a, a bit of pain that is in each and every one of us. And yet when we open arms to the other, right, uh, and we open arms and we move out of what he describes as self-sufficiency and self-enclosure, uh, that opening of the arms uh, relegates those to the background and in doing so, in embracing somebody who is different than us, you hear me say that a lot, the other, right? They no longer become the other. We no longer become the other. But in that embrace, we get to understand more fully who we are. And so that's Miroslav Volf from his book, Exclusion and Embrace. I would encourage you to get that text and read it. It would be very helpful, especially in this day and age. Hey, if you want to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook, Philip Fletcher, or on Twitter, Dr. Philip Fletcher. Find me on YouTube as well and uh, subscribe. Just look for Humanity Matters. You'll see the Two Face logo in red. You also find me on Instagram, Dr. Philip uh, Fletcher. Had the opportunity to see Star Wars uh, last night for the third time, uh, Rise of Skywalker. You know what? Every time I've seen it, the second and the third time, it's gotten better, right? I, I told my friend, uh, Philip Grant, whom I saw it with uh, last night, I just felt like that's like a bookend to my childhood because I grew up on Star Wars, got all the action figures and all the uh, vehicles and ships and things like that. That's what I got for Christmas. That's what I got for my birthday. You know, even now I still collect the Star Wars comic books, but those movies... Uh, the end of the Skywalker story, Luke and Leia and Han and Chewie and uh, C-3PO and R2-D2 and Lando and Vader. And, you know, that whole story uh, just felt like I was a kid again back in 1977 when my dad took me to see that movie that had a critical impact on my life as a kid and growing up. And so uh, it became better, you know, seeing, you know, Ray and what happened with her and uh, with Kylo Ren, a.k.a. Ben Solo, and what happened with him. Uh, it was a good uh, conclusion to a story. and look forward to see where they're going to take it next. Mandalorian is pretty good. It's pretty awesome on uh, Disney+. Plus. If you haven't seen The Mandalorian, I know most people have seen Baby Yoda, but that Mandalorian is pretty good and stays true to the Star Wars world. So I would encourage y'all to Hey, check it out. This is Dr. Philip Fletcher with Humanity Matters Podcast. And when we come back from the break, we are going to the University of Virginia. And this young lady uh, who thinks she's carrying out justice by carrying out exclusion. Uh, so we'll be back in a second. 
Hey, welcome back to the Humanity Matters podcast. It's Dr. Philip Fletcher. If you got a question or a comment, you can email me at humanitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. Humanitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. At the end of the month, I'm going to take uh, the questions that I've received and I'm going to do uh, my usual Ask Dr. Phil. So if you got a question, go ahead and shoot it up and then I'm going to tackle those questions at the end of February. I like to do those, I like to interact. Uh, There's fun times to take the different questions on, you know, philosophy and faith and leadership, any of the social issues, politics, all that kind of good stuff. So hit me up, find me on uh, my email, humanitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. So video came out on Twitter, a young woman at the University of Virginia uh, made some pretty interesting comments in an announcement uh, to the students that were there. And for me personally, it was pretty disconcerting. Uh, but it, it speaks to the spirit of the age that we're in uh, right now as uh, persons who are American and who are non-white, right? Uh, many are, are taking up this social justice cause uh, to assert their identity. But in doing so, uh, in asserting their identity, they're actually um, embracing the, the malady of the very thing that they're seeking to address. Um, I believe, you know, I spoke about my parents in the last segment. You know, they came up in a time of segregation. You know, they came up at a time when the federal government and local governments had segregation done legally and, you know, hard work was done uh, through the work of many of the civil rights uh, workers in the South with SCLC and SNCC, um, even with work uh, up in the North when you had uh, the Nation of Islam and Malcolm X and so on and so forth. Uh, Martin Luther King, obviously, in the South, and then uh, with others coming after those two men and the women that did a lot of the hard work in marching and uh, protesting and losing their lives uh, to see, honestly, that we're taking a step back uh, is pretty disconcerting. And so, hey, I'm going to play the video and we will uh, interact with it. Here she is. And this is coming from uh, Twitter, and the handler is at Camellia underscore Alexan. And so we're going to play it. It's a 31-second video, uh, and we'll return. Public service announcement. Excuse me. If y'all didn't know, this is the MSC, and frankly, there's just too many white people in here and this is a space for people of color. So just be really cognizant of the space that you're taking up because it does make some of us POCs uncomfortable when we see too many white people in here. It's only been open for four days. And frankly, there's the whole university for a lot of y'all to be at. And there's very few spaces for us. So keep that in mind. Thank you. So you have this young girl stand up in this MSC. Now, the MSC is the Multicultural Student Center on the campus of the University of Virginia. Now, the University of Virginia is a public 
institution. So it's taxpayer payer funded. Obviously, uh, it gets funds from taxpayers and then obviously it's tuition that is paid uh, by the students that attend there, undergrad, grad. Uh, and then obviously, since it's taxpayer funded and, you know, t- students are paying tuition, you know, they have access, reasonable access to all elements of uh, the university. All right. So that they can conduct their uh, educational activities and obviously uh, secure their degree on the website uh, for the multicultural student services. Uh, it's located on the second level Newcom Hall. And this is what they state. And I quote, we aim to facilitate a student centered collaborative space that supports underrepresented and marginalized communities while cut- cultivating the holistic empowerment of all students, close quote. Uh, They have three aims. Our programs aim to build understanding through dialogue, equip students to become citizen leaders, enhance personal development. And then it goes on to say students use our space to hang out, study and use our computers, reserve the space for meetings and events. So, you know, we have this young lady standing up and she uh, makes the declaration that in the MSC has been open for four days, uh, according to her. Uh, that there are too many white people in the MSC. And uh, the second thing is this, is that persons of color, I don't like that term, but this is the term that she uses, are uncomfortable, all right? And uh, there's other spaces on the whole university that can be used. Now, so this goes back to our thought for the day about embrace, but the, the opposite of embrace, and we'll get to this, more deeper is exclusion. And so what's happening here first is uh, this young lady in her announcement is practicing exclusion and in contradiction to the mission of the Multicultural Student Center. It's holistic empowerment for all students. Yes, primarily supporting underrepresented and marginalized communities, but it is open to empower all students. Okay, so all students is underrepresented, marginalized, and white people, right? Um, I am sure that the money that was spent to build the Multicultural Student Center and opening it did not just come from underrepresented and marginalized communities, but it came from a diverse group of taxpayers and student fees, I'm sure, uh, to fund the opening of the Multicultural Student Center. So uh, for her to get up and say that white people are not welcome there is an interesting statement to make. It's a practice of exclusion. You are, she is othering white people, just like, quote unquote, persons of color have been othered over the decades and and the two centuries uh, here in America, which has gotten better. Let's be clear about that in the 21st century. Uh, The second thing is she states that, quote, persons of color being made uncomfortable. So hearing that, it's, it's reinforcing this idea that persons of color Persons who are non-white by skin color or ethnicity are still looking at themselves as second class, 
minority victim type positions because they're in the space. White people are in their space. When it would be more appropriate if she would give an empowering message that persons of color are on equal standing as the white students that are in there, that they're not uncomfortable, but that each person, white person and non-white person, them being in the same space, they are on the same footing. A couple episodes back, I talked about merit, that all of us, regardless of our ethnicity, have the same merit because we've been made in the image and likeness of God. We produce differently, but the difference in production, the difference of expression does not diminish the merit that is unchanging. And so uh, she's continually pressing an inferiority type approach. Sad to say. And then finally, uh, the whole university. Well, if that's the case, if the whole university is available, then why is the Multicultural Student Center even open? Right. I got it. It's a collaborative space that supports underrepresented, marginalized communities. But the whole university is there to support all its students. And so it's disconcerting here in the 21st century uh, that, you know, on our campuses, we have, you know, this information going out that's reinforcing victimhood, that's reinforcing Uh, This idea that we're less than that is then also reaching back to the 20th century, pulling, resurrecting, if you will, elements of segregation, you know, quote unquote, uh, the cousin of Jim, uh, Jim Crow and Jane Crow and saying, hey, you are not welcome here. It's almost as if they're putting up on the multicultural center colored people only. And that should not be. Uh, so, uh, you know, when we get back, hey, we're going to dive into uh, Miroslav Volf and some thoughts he had to say about exclusion and how looking at today in our 21st century and where we're at as a nation, you know, what does that look like for our freedom as individual men and women who live here in America? So take a break. Be right back. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Humanity Matters podcast. This is Dr. Philip Fletcher, and we have been talking about uh, exclusion and embrace. Now we're going to look at exclusion and embrace as it relates to uh, freedom and what's our future here in America. One of the things that, you know, just it's it's like a splinter in my mind is looking at how we are uh, splitting up into a lot of factions, whether that's politically uh, or ethnically. Those seem very apparent. And, you know, you can make an argument that, you know, media is pushing this, uh, you know, social media. You always have things coming at you 100 miles an hour that could be pushing it. Um, and, you know, it's like a splinter because, you know, on a daily basis, you know, as you're talking to people, uh, people that you're interacting with day to day, you're seeing them face to face. You don't get that sense, but there appears to be a uh, concerted effort 
if you will, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, uh, to divide us, to balkanize us in so that there is a bunch of others <laughs> running around and um, we align ourselves, we huddle ourselves into these little tribes and uh, like tribes, eventually tribes don't know another tribe and they become at war with one another because they don't know one another. They've forgotten what ties them together as human beings. And so, uh, you know, importantly, I see what ties us all together as Americans specifically is that we're made in the image and likeness of God. And then above that, um, we're Americans, right? We are citizens of this country and um, it's the greatest country on earth. I'll be honest with you. I've been a lot of places, uh, seen a lot of things. And even with all her uh, foibles, uh, there's nothing better than America where somebody can make something of themselves um, regardless of their social distinctions or economic distinctions. People are not forcing you to believe or vote a certain way. Um, but with that said, I want to turn to back to Miroslav Volf and uh, in his chapter on exclusion, and he's critiquing this idea of inclusion. Now, I know that's real popular right now, inclusion and diversity, right? But he says this about inclusion uh, in contrast to exclusion. And I quote out of his book, Exclusion and Embrace. And this is beginning on page 60. Quote, exclusion would then be a sickness and inclusion undiluted medicine. Could it be, however, that the medicine itself is making the patient sick with a new form of the very illness it seeks to cure. Now, this is close quote. Now, this is echoing back uh, the words that we just saw with the young lady at the University of Virginia, right? I, I, I am certain that the Multicultural Student Center uh, has a philosophy and it is seeking to uh, promote inclusion, right? But then the question becomes inclusion of who? Well, obviously, according to her, inclusion requires the exclusion of white people, okay? In doing so, we have to ask ourselves, is the freedom of white people being diminished and is the freedom of, quote unquote, persons of color, those are her words, being diminished because exclusion is happening. Whereas she she believes that she is asserting this, the, using the words of Miroslav Volf, this medicine of inclusion, um, she to to eradicate the sickness of exclusion, what she's actually doing in her work of inclusion is continuing to perpetuate the very illness that she believes that she's trying to solve and that the Multicultural Student Center is trying to solve. And so uh, one of the first points I want to bring up is uh, being complicit in, the, in this process, right? That in this work of inclusion, 
we could possibly be complicit in the process of impacting individuals in society. And how so? By coercing them into a way of life that mirrors what could be described as the imperial process. Where am I getting that from? So Miroslav Vol talks about uh, Christian missionaries and how when they uh, were being spread out from Europe and going to India and Africa, uh, that what they were doing was converting people, not necessarily to the ways of God, but to the ways of the white man, the imperial forces. So the Christians were being complicit in othering. All right. The Christians were being complicit in creating exclusion. How? Because if those quote unquote persons of color in those uh, missionary targeted countries did not assent to uh, the words that were being promoted by the missionaries. Right. They were other. They were excluded out of the economic, political and social realms uh, because we understand that what came behind those missionaries was uh, a colonial presence. And so moving that forward to today, we have to ask ourselves, is this young girl in her words actually being complicit in perpetuating more exclusion? The very thing that she's trying to uh, end. The second thing is this, is that inclusion necessitates exclusion of some. So on ethnic bounds, financial values and beliefs. All right. We see right there in her desire to be inclusive. It necessitates the exclusion of a particular group of people on the basis of their skin color. And I could probably make the argument because they have white skin. They are descendants of the oppressor, descendants of the master. They are beneficiaries of white privilege and standing on uh, the shoulders of their colonial ancestors. And so because they do not line up with the group on the basis of skin color, they are excluded. And so inclusion necessitates exclusion. If it was true inclusion, uh, the, the utopian understanding of inclusion, then her message should never have been uh, presented. And so inclusion actually produces more exclusion. And so Miroslav Volf, he he picks up on Nietzsche, Friedrich Nietzsche, uh, and he wrote the great uh writing, uh, thus spoke Zarathustra. All right. And Zarathustra, uh, looks at essentially that you know, this idea that God is dead and that there is now the overman. Okay. The overman is actually where you get the term, uh, Superman. All right. And that it was the, now the responsibility of man. All right. Because God is dead uh, and I'm quoting here from the editor uh, who helped, who did the assisted in the translation of uh, Nietzsche's text. 
that, quote, faith in God is dead as a matter of cultural fact and any meaning of life in the sense of a supernatural purpose is gone. It is now up to man to give his life meaning by raising himself above the animals in the all too human. Right. There's this the Superman, you know, the overman, quote unquote, who was supposed to raise up and define his life, no longer depending on, uh, quote unquote, God. Right. And in that, uh, Wolf identifies this idea of the good and the just. All right. And he says this, and I quote out of exclusion again from exclusion and embrace the good and just insist, according to Nietzsche, have to crucify the one who devises an alternative virtue because they already possess the knowledge of the good. They have to be hypocrites because seeing themselves as good, they must impersonate the absence of evil. All right. And so, again, in this practice of inclusion, when you are seeking to carry out inclusion, you perceive your actions of exclusion as being uh, good and just. And according to what Nietzsche is pulling out and what Wolf is identifying is that this is a is ultimately a, a, a hypocrisy. OK, because, again, I quote, they see themselves as good. They must impersonate the absence of evil. And in context, what this was referencing is uh, when the priest worked to have Jesus Christ uh, crucified. They believed that they were doing a good and just act when in fact they were doing an evil act. They were seeking to maintain, since Jesus was not uh, seeking to assent into the normal way of life um, of the Sanhedrin and what they were promoting and putting out, uh, they excluded him through Crucifixion. What does this mean for us today in the 21st century of America? We have to ask ourselves about our freedom as men and women who live in this country. All right. And we must ask ourselves, what are those things that we are promoting as quote unquote good and just, but are actually the outcome is the exclusion of men and women. We have to ask ourselves that, especially in this very charged year, what things are being said, what actions may be taken, what actions are being proposed by quote unquote smart people who believe they're doing the good and just thing, but in doing so, what they're promoting is exclusion. And in excluding groups of people in order to attain this idea of an inclusive society, an inclusive university, an inclusive religious setting, an inclusive fill in the blank. Our human freedom is being diminished because human freedom to flourish, it needs relationships, diverse relationships, and it needs the opportunity to have uh 
interesting communication, hearing different ideas, engaging with different ideas. In order for human freedom to flourish, transactions freely need to happen. For men and women to be able to interact with one another freely and make exchanges of ideas and goods because they're seeking to improve uh, their lives. Human freedom flourishes when there is mutual free benefit, not forced benefit, but free interactions. And it's mutual There's a synergy that is happening. And so we have to be careful in discerning about how we are pursuing inclusion, because, yes, we want as many people to be participating in our society. And we want as many people to feel free to participate in our society. But what we cannot do is take actions that intentionally exclude people because in doing so, those who are excluded, their freedom is diminished. And those who believe they are ushering in some type of utopia, good and just society, they are diminishing their freedom as well. So, hey, this has been uh, the Humanity Matters podcast. I've been your host, Dr. Philip Fletcher. Again, hit me up on email, humanitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook and Twitter. Just put in Dr. Philip Fletcher. Find me on YouTube and subscribe. Humanity Matters. Find me on Instagram as well. I look forward to talking to you again next week. You guys take care. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Humanity Matters podcast. For more information, visit the website philipfletcher.org or send us an email at humanitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. And remember, as always, if we remember to live in hope, we can do the impossible. So be love, be kind, and be generous.